Hello and welcome to another edition of the End Zone Podcast. My name is Eric Jensen, and this is a, a podcast I was not expecting to do, uh, but here we are. And we got Trey Watkins too. A lot of crazy NFL news has uh, transpired, and I think it's safe to say Trey Roger Goodell was like NBA offseason. Everybody, everything's crazy, getting too much buzz. He kind of got in the players' ears and was like, "Guys, we got to spice it up this year." And I, I'll admit, this has been like one of the most entertaining off seasons through like a week in probably the history of this podcast at least yeah see the nfl has banked on chaos erupting in its league over the past couple years and it thrives off chaos going around in its league so to have the moves that we've seen made you know we haven't even hit free agency the legal tampering period hasn't even hit yet it like it, it, it hits tomorrow it's tomorrow at 12 Eastern, man. So to see all these moves being made before that legal tampering period even starts, this goes to show that the NFL is a bona fide attention seeker, even when they aren't on the field. Got to give the NFL props for that, too. <laughs> yeah, for real. I mean, today was going to be all about March Madness, right? I love college basketball. I make no secret about it on Twitter. It's probably... My favorite type of basketball is definitely college basketball. I, I, I understand the allure of the NBA and I love watching NFL, NBA playoffs, but I love college basketball all season. I know it's not the greatest product sometimes, but there's nothing better than just throwing on a college basketball game in the background when you can. Um, and suddenly Tom Brady was like, nah, ha, 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 this day's about me, fam. And, uh, came back and unretired so i guess i wanted to do some small talk trey but i feel like there's no room for it because then i also remembered that deshaun watson stuff happened on friday and we have to talk about that obviously and there's just a lot going on in the nfl but i guess how excited are you for march madness to be here do you have a team that you're going to be tracking closely well every single march madness i have to see how my my blue devils are going to do each and every time and uh with it being coach k's last ride i'm especially interested to see how they do because it will be a doggone shame to one see coach k literally go out and be embarrassed at the same time you know during this last ncaa tournament and two it would especially suck to see Twitter make me miserable for like six hours after Duke potentially loses, because every time Duke loses in the NCAA tournament, the entire app turns into one fat bully, and I get cyberbullied unintentionally for hours, and it makes me miserable. So no, I yes, I'm 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 looking forward to Duke to see if they can actually make a run this year. In Coach K's last year, <clears throat> excuse me, I hope they do, because if they don't, then I'm going to be miserable and I'm going to be sad. So, uh, yeah, but maybe another team I'm actually or actually a couple teams I'm actually looking forward to watching is the you know, hometown Tennessee Volunteers. They won the SEC tournament uh, title for the first time since 1979, I think. So it's a good season for them. I'm kind of excited to see how they do. And the other team I'm actually really excited to watch uh geez there was um oh yeah 
Indiana, <laughs> Indiana. Um, I'm a, I'm a look. I'm, I stand. I don't stand too many things or people, but one person I do stand is Mike Woodson. I don't know why, but I freaking love Mike Woodson, man. So, all right. Uh, so it's he's a, a first it's a weird, weird affiliation. It is. It is. <laughs> <laughs> Indiana is a first four team, so their NCAA tournament run could be short, but um, I'm looking forward to see how Indiana plays you know starting i believe they play on thursday not sure i have to check back on that but um looking forward to see how indiana goes as well as tennessee and duke yeah you said uh the twitter app becomes a bully to you uh verbal meme it's me i'm at the window i've got my hand pressed up against it sickos right across my chest (laughs) right out of my mouth it me I'm sickos. I'm Duke bullies. I literally cannot wait, Trey, for y'all to get blown out by Michigan State in the second round. Going to be a great day. Yeah. The No, we're not losing to Michigan State because that Michigan State team is mid, straight mids. But the, the team I could see is actually losing to before we potentially get to Gonzaga in the Elite Eight it's literally Texas Tech. That's a nightmare, man, especially with how bad we've been defensively over the past couple months, man. That's a nightmare. I don't want to, I don't want any part of Texas Tech. So if we get Texas Tech, I'm going to be curled up in the ball, praying to God that we get spared, you know, but if we don't, then, you know, the, the yearly process ever since the last title of 2015, the yearly process, just scrolling through Twitter, literally tried to hold back a tear from falling out of my eye because Duke can't seemingly get it done once again, even though they get all these high-profile recruits, man. I'm just not ready for that sort of scenario. Bro, you can't be sleeping on CS Fullerton. They could do it too. Yeah, CS Fullerton literally was full of jabronis, bro. I'm not worried about them. Y'all lost worried to about- Mercer, bro. Y'all lost <laughs> to Mercer. <laughs> okay, that didn't count. That doesn't count. That's fake, by the way. But <laughs> the only teams I'm worried definitely about. Definitely not fake. Duke's fake. definitely my, lost to Mercer. In my world, is fake. <laughs> <laughs> the only teams that I'm really concerned about is really Texas Tech, uh, maybe Michigan State, and, of course, Gonzaga, if we make it there and Gonzaga makes it there. We will see what happens there. All right, let's get to the NFL news. Tom Brady was like, hey, really sucks that I'm not going to be in Super Bowl week. My whole plan was that I was going to be fighting for the AFC, the NFC title in Super Bowl week. Hmm. How do I keep the news cycle on me? Oh, I know. I'll start rumors about retiring. Tom Brady then promptly retires. I will know. I think it was sincere. I think part of him was like, it's been a good run. I want to go out on top of a top. Nobody else has ever gone out on top of a top. And he was like, all right, I'm out of here. And people did their podcast. We did our podcast immediately as the news broke. We sat down. We eulogized Tom Brady. I wrote a blog. And uh, two months later, he was like, nah, this is boring. I really don't like Giselle bullying me around the house. Let me come back. And uh, yeah, that's kind of how this thing went, Trey, I think. He just got sick of being a house husband and was like, I got more years in the tank. Let's do this thing. Yeah. It's so funny to me. I'm laughing. Man, this is funny. Two things. The guy literally got sick of being a house husband and got sick of being around his kids, 20 kids, kids, 24 seven that he decided to put his body on the line 
playing and competing against the world's best athletes the sport of football has to offer at the age of 44 he was like so, he, he, he was like he was like yeah i need to spend more time with my family i really care what i you know they mean a lot to me i need to be a father to my kids first and a husband to my wife and then he got home for about two weeks and he was like man y'all suck i'm out of here <laughs> literally you know channeling his uh his best Aaron Rodgers impression, which, you know, that that's that's unfortunate. But, jeez, uh, coming back at 44, soon to be 45, just to put his body on the line once again. He's literally a spaz. He's a troll. That, that That's insanity, bro. Dude literally went to England, went to Manchester, sat in Old Trafford, Watch a 37-year-old Cristiano Ronaldo play well for the first time in weeks. And then Tom Brady convinced himself, yeah, I can do this again. And you know what? He probably can because he's literally him. That's what he does. Yeah, Tom dude, Brady I mean, you, you, were, you were talking for half a second there like, man, I don't really know if Tom Brady has it. Like, bruh, he was like a top three quarterback this year, like easily, probably the best quarterback in the league, to be honest with you. Like, Why would I doubt him? Every like, single time yeah. I've doubted him, he's literally dunked on me. I've looked like an idiot at the end. I'm not getting embarrassed like that again. Never yeah, again. I mean, it was fun for the Broncos while it lasted, where I thought, hey, we got a shot to win the Super Bowl. Nah, Super Bowl window ain't here yet. Tom Brady still exists. Gosh, uh, man. Bro, he's like, Come on, like we know how this ends, right? Trade, like they're gonna be in the Super Bowl next year. Of course. Like <laughs> gonna play Aaron Rodgers again, and he's gonna deny Aaron Rodgers a chance to get another right in exactly. Green Bay. That's how it goes. This is how it's gonna go. Like Tampa's gonna be like, all right, we're a little cash strapped, but okay, we're bringing back Chris Godwin. Okay, Tom, can we restructure your contract a little bit so we can trade you next year? Because Let's be honest, there ain't no way Tom Brady's going to be living in Tampa for the rest of his career, right? Like, he wants to go finish his career off with the 49ers. So this is the way this works, Trey. He's going to go. He's going to restructure. They're going to sign some dudes in free agency to bolster the wide receiving core. They're going to draft pretty well on defense. They're going to go. They're going to get another Super Bowl title. And then next year, Tom Brady's going to be like, all right, boys, I'm out of here for four first-round picks. And uh, the 49ers are just going to pick him up, send Trey Lance back to Tampa. And Tom's just going to be like, okay, boys, now we ride hometown hero. Like time to go bring a Super Bowl to San Fran. It's just the way this goes. We, we know how this story ends. And then he'll retire a 49er. Yeah, retire 49er and then he'll ride up to the sunset. Then he'll, he'll flirt with returning to play once again. And we'll go through this all over again. The never-ending cycle with this guy. He literally has the entire NFL in the palm of his hand, and he's cackling while looking at it. Bro, he I literally, literally don't I, I literally don't hate it though. Like for some reason, I don't hate Tom Brady more for this. I actually respect him. <laughs> he literally retired for like 40 days, came back and say, okay, sure, let's play again. Who does that? Who does that? LeBron. And, LeBron, he, I, 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 and hand up, Dre, you would classify me as a LeBron hater, right? Yes, I would. Like today, I had to eat a big slice of humble pie because if this ain't the most damn LeBron move I've ever seen, I don't no. know what is. Whatever. LeBron would play with his son right out to the sunset and make cheesy 
remakes of old yeah, but you could definitely season. see lebron being like after that season being like nah turns out i got another year left in me not washed game like yeah, whatever dude he literally buy the cash i'm just saying they're the same dudes i hate one of them i kind of love the other and i'm starting to realize that's wrong so maybe i'm done being a lebron hater who knows yeah you should after i kept telling you to stop being one i just i just we don't have time for this right now but uh nah brady's back so that's sick uh tampa like they've still got a dope roster like we were worried about them like literally i want to just emphasize to people literally the only reason people were like and now I'm saying like too much. Need to stop doing that. Literally, the only piece reason people said, oh man, Tampa's gonna be in trouble. Like, look out, like they're gonna have the number one pick next year, was literally because they don't have a quarterback. Like, if they have a quarterback, they're still a Super Bowl caliber team, like easily. So I and I just said like again, man. I'm just on one today, Trey. I don't know what it is. I'm trying to get better at podcasting, but today I've gotten worse. Tampa Bay literally has like 24 free agents last time I checked, man. Not a lot of cap space, but they'll somehow miraculously maneuver the cap, bring back the most important of those free agents, and then replace whatever leftovers that they let go with rookies or cheap vets. And they'll somehow play like a Super Bowl caliber team with a bunch of glue guys and proven veterans. We know how this works. We know how this goes. We know how this goes. It's literally, it's it's so obvious. It's so obvious. And I'm sick of it because I'm sick and tired of Tom Brady literally still in the spotlight and torturing everyone. I, I, I've, I've grown, I've grown, you know, to respect and like Tom Brady a little bit. But goodness gracious, man, this is a new level. I'm sick of it. He's he's just a crazy person. Like he is. That's the other explanation. Like Tom Brady is just a psychopath. And we're just gonna we're just gonna have to learn to deal with it. Bruh, I don't know. It's 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 tough. So that kind of leads us directly into our next topic of conversation and we need a tone change here let's let's get serious trey play some do a serious sound for me like serious sound effect yeah uh deshaun watson not charged on any of his criminal cases now the civil cases are still pending what does this mean? If you do some reading on it, sexual assault, assault cases are hard to prove. Most of the time, they don't get results at trial and they fall through like this. Does this mean Deshaun Watson is totally innocent and has nothing that would be a red flag? See, I'm going to say no. Like, I'm going to say no, because the civil suits are still pending. And there's literally like 23 women who are still saying, yeah, he sexually mistreated me in some way. 
so yeah. like the olds are in a fit with this because they're like trey they're, they're all like of oh, a legal system said he didn't do anything wrong so we got to give him his due you know all those people were lying nah nah that's not the way this goes like it's extremely hard to prove sexual assault cases in court. And the fact that he's not going after any of these witnesses saying defamation and being like, yo, you drag my name through the mud. Like I'm taking you to court for libel and slander. Like the fact that's not happening kind of tells you all you need to know because he doesn't want any more legal dirt getting dug up. He just wants to end this thing and go back to being an NFL quarterback. And I know we listened to the Saints Twitter podcast, right, Trey? Did you see that link I tweeted out earlier today? I did not. Uh, so Ryan and Adam did a really good episode about Deshaun Watson. Everybody should go listen to it. Basically, he's still got all this stuff hanging over his head, and it's similar to Big, you know, Big Ben, like all those years ago. And the legal hurdles are cleared, so his time in the NFL is back up. But that doesn't mean you can't feel totally skeezy about it. And this is just, just sucks for the NFL. And personally, I can't. I I used to love the guy because he was a great quarterback, but I can't root for him anymore. And Whoever trades for him, I'm going to be mightily disappointed in. See, this entire situation is extremely, and I mean extremely delicate to approach, you know, and touch simply because the subject of sexual assault and any sort of crimes that involve um, assault or any sort of crimes that involve uh heinous I guess you say heinous sexual activity in an in, you know in a really bad way it's it's a really tough t- you know topic to sort of address uh but with this Deshaun Watson case you know the early sort of feeling around it was that when you have 22 women coming against you saying you sexually assaulted them and not all of them are pursuing criminal cases but most of them you know but all of them are saying that you sexually assaulted them in some way shape or form that's concerning, <laughs> very concerning. And I'm, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say I'm familiar with all the facts of the case, you know, because I'm not. Uh, but just to see 22 women just come out all, you know, one by one and, you know, you see the, the you know, the accusations start snowballing from one to two to five to 15 to finally to 22 you get a feeling that something's wrong and something's just not right really with what's going on with the case. So um, him not facing criminal charges for this, the, the official wording for Deshaun Watson not facing criminal charges for this was that they didn't find sufficient evidence to move forward in, in terms of charging Deshaun Watson criminally for the accusations. The grand jury said that. That doesn't mean he's not guilty, <laughs> not even close. Um, he could still be found liable, you know, for the the actions that his um, co- that the complainants are accused accusing Watson of committing in the civil suits, you know. And if that happens, then you know 
there would have to be some sort of discussion around saying, okay, Deshaun Watson, you know, did this stuff. But the feeling around this case now is that Deshaun Watson is apparently innocent. You can't see my sarcastic fingers, but innocent, apparently innocent. Um, And the civil suits are literally just, you know, ways of trying to get away from being liable for the apparent damages that Deshaun Watson caused on these women. So it's it's just a really, and I mean a really, really delicate case. And I don't want to overstep any boundaries or say anything that I will come to regret because I don't know all the details of this case. So, uh, but the basic details and facts of this case are really concerning and, you know, We'll see how the civil suits play out over the next couple of months with Watson to see if anything else develops there. But yeah, just a weird situation for Watson, a weird sort of conclusion with the criminal accusations and all that's left is the civil suits. So now, you know, I agree with you about needing to be delicate, and I totally respect your opinion to kind of back off on that. But I'll be very clear with what I believe. Like, if there are 22 cases brought against you, you have some sort of a problem. There is a pattern, a pattern, bro, that is showing up in these cases. He clearly has a problem with massage therapists and a problem with maintaining appropriate relations with them. It also tells me he has really good lawyers who probably fought really hard to make sure he didn't see any criminal charges but just because someone doesn't face criminal charges we should believe victims we should believe what women say and if 22 separate women are coming out and saying yes he made me uncomfortable he sexually assaulted me in some way shape or form then we should believe them and honestly we 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 should just believe him he he's clearly got a problem and i can say i will not be cheering for the guy and i will not be cheering for the team that he plays for because it's just it's problematic and you know we have a culture that where most of these sexual assault trial cases don't come up with criminal charges but that's something I've been reading on about this. Most of them don't get convictions and that sucks. And it makes it harder for other women to come forward and report. So I'm just going to say, I don't like Deshaun Watson. I'll be clear about that. I'll talk about him as a player, but I'm certainly not rooting for the guy and I'm certainly not rooting for the team that picks him up. That all being said, several teams are interested and we'll just kind of leave on that tray this is the type of move that make the tom brady coming back makes me think the saints or the panthers are going to get desperate and make a move and i i think one of those two teams is going to trade for deshaun watson and and when they do i hope the media holds them accountable and ask them questions about this 100 percent, and they should because situations like these you can't go in you know, and, and expect lukewarm waters and try to wade through them with as much caution as possible. You actually have to dive in, be aggressive, and get to the root cause. Because if you don't do that, then you're setting the president and standard that when 
you know, any of these situations do pop up because they do and they will continue to pop up because human beings are genuine people, but also really, really sick people in the head. But when you see these sort of situations and, you know, if you try to not at least address it with uh, sincerity and aggressiveness, then you're setting the precedent for other people to do the same. And we can't do that when it's, you know, something as serious as this. Because if you, you know, like I said, if you don't come out with as much aggressiveness as possible, then it's just not setting a good example for the rest of the people. So, yeah, it's it's something that us as human beings have to really, you know, pay attention to and really stay aggressive on and stay on, you know, until the root problem is somehow, and I mean, miraculously somehow eliminated. Yep. So we'll keep an eye on that. It's a cynical way to look at it, but the NFL is a cynical business. Trey, I will give it two weeks until Deshaun Watson's traded. Two weeks. I give it to the end of this week, dude. Yeah. We will be talking about him again. And there will be some kind of NFL punishment coming. I would be shocked if it's over two games absolutely shocked so i think with the way that the nfl has caught the heat for suspensions and the lack of time in these suspensions over the last couple years i think they're going to try to hit watson as hard as they possibly can without being too outrageous i could see like maybe three four games but no more than that yeah we will see all right back to fun football sucks that we have to talk about that right trey just just a well, it's the real world stuff, man. You got to talk it's about it's it. Bummer. Yeah. Let, let's get back to the fun stuff, though. Khalil Mack. Okay, okay. A guy that we haven't heard his name in a little while. He's been kind of trapped on a bad Bears team. Been up and down a little bit. Gets traded to the Chargers for, I believe, a second-round pick, right? And uh, a sixth, I want to say. Let me just pull up the trade here really quick uh but he goes to the los angeles chargers and man trey it's just a good time to be eric jensen it's just a good time to be eric jensen that's all i gotta say because who are my two teams tell me the chargers and the denver broncos man yep that that would be correct for as long as i've had this podcast i've been very outward i call myself a closet chargers fan but very outwardly pro chargers this move makes me happy they're gonna be good scares me as a denver broncos fan because holy cow man the that pass rush coming out out of there with joey bosa and khalil mack it's gonna be ferocious khalil mack's numbers went down a little bit but he was really the only pass rusher in Chicago, paired with another guy where he's not facing double teams all the time, who could be good. He got traded for a second-round draft pick and a sixth-rounder. So, I don't know, Trey. I'm pretty excited. And it's rumored that the Chargers are going to be extra aggressive in free agency. So, how do you feel about this move for the Los Angeles Superchargers? The Chargers literally came into this free agency period with literally one model. We're going to spend as much money as we fiscally 
can while staying financially responsible so we can literally juice the living heck out of Justin Herbert playing on this rookie contract. They literally got him a franchise left tackle and um, a franchise center just this past offseason. They still have some offensive line uh, pieces to address. They need another running back. They might need – actually, no, they don't need another wide receiver. They might need another option to tight end. But they really needed some more pass rushing help because, you know, Joey Bosa was really the only sort of pass rushing threat along that defensive line. And so when you add Khalil Mack, and although he hasn't been the same guy because of injuries and uh, maybe a little bit underperforming, he gets to go to a, a team that if they can put the right pieces together, they're not only going to be contending for the AFC West, they could cause some trouble for the upper elites of the AFC period. And that might be a stretch to say, but they were really competitive in games. They were, you know, playing against the big boys last year. It was just the bad games against the bad teams that really slipped them up. And uh, that's a characteristic that can come with a young team trying to mold itself into a team that can really do some big things. So um, if the Chargers can really just keep on making these grade A moves, uh, like finding maybe another running back, maybe another tight end, finding a corner. They need another corner desperately as well. If they can just keep stacking on these good moves, then the charts are going to be dangerous. They're going to be dangerous. They're already dangerous last year. They were a young team, you know, going through some bumps and finding through some issues. But if they can find some consistency, uh, fill these roster holes that they have, you know, not by splurging everywhere, but, but by making smart moves, they're going to be dangerous. 100% they're going to be dangerous. Yeah, I, I'm really excited to see what what this team does the rest of free agency. I think that it can be a, a big season for the Chargers next year if they continue to bolster the roster like this. And they still have some picks to throw around too and they're in pretty decent draft positioning to add another wide receiver potentially. So that's that's going to be another thing to worry about for the Chargers. Um, Amari Cooper to the Browns for a sixth-round pick feels kind of like they got totally robbed the Cowboys. Uh, the fact that Amari Cooper is going for a sixth-round pick. Two theories here, Trey. Either A, the plan is stockpile weapons around Baker. They're going to lose Jarvis Landry likely to a trade, but I, I'd imagine they'll draft a wide receiver and, and keep being aggressive for wide receivers. Stack everything for Baker Mayfield to give one last year under contract and see if he makes a jump. Or option B, I saw a lot of people saying they don't make this move if they're not aggressive for a guy like a Deshaun Watson or a Kirk Cousins or a Derek Carr. So where do you think the Browns are heading this offseason? Do you think it's another year with Baker or do you think they're going for a another big QB? No, I think it's another year with Baker. And I think the Browns would only make a move for a big time high profile quarterback if they knew it was realistic. Now, if they want to shell over, you know, the bankroll is a draft compensation that the that the Texans want for Deshaun Watson. 
uh, and ship Baker Mayfield off somewhere else, then sure, they can. You know, first you have to see if Watson wants to even go to Cleveland. But with how quarterback-friendly the offense seems to be, I think it would be a good football situation for Watson. So I think the Browns might be a team he would heavily consider going to if the Browns were seriously interested in trading for him. But um, I think in all likelihood, it's literally just going to be one year with Baker and then you know, if he's bad, they'll evaluate the quarterback market next year. They have the assets to trade away draft compensation for, you know, whether it's a big-time rookie quarterback in the draft or uh, a, a high-profile veteran that might come available at any point in time. But um, I think it's just going to be one year with Baker and see how he does. You know, like I said, if he's bad, they'll evaluate the options after the season. If he's good, I think they'll engage in – maybe a bit of a short-term sort of contract extension just to see how he goes and just to see if that good year wasn't some sort of fluke or uh, fake year that can come out to bite the Browns down the line. But I think they stick with Baker for one more year. I think they're really holding on, you know, holding out that the Baker that we saw in 2020 was the Baker that they, that they can finally get back to minus the injuries in, uh, you know, with the wide receiver, you know, with other players surrounding Baker. So um, the Browns like Baker Mayfield. I think it's it's obvious that the Browns like Baker Mayfield. They drafted him number one overall. They've literally still behind him. The fans love him. The front office loves him. The city loves him. He still has a cold of fans defending him, even when he throws boneheaded interceptions. That's how you know the city loves him. Maybe it's because they've been stuck in quarterback purgatory for years. They're trying to hold on to any last shred of hope the quarterback position gives them. But Browns fans love him. The city loves him. And I just don't think the Browns are ready to ship him off just yet, you know, especially this offseason when they still have some really significant moves to be made, in my opinion. Yeah. I want to see how this ends up because Amari Cooper, one thing to note, it's been what, like four or five years? He's been on two different teams already. Like, the Raiders didn't want him and traded him away. And then the Cowboys, when it was time to pay him, they traded him away. Statistically, I don't see how that makes a lot of sense. But, like, you wonder if there's some behind-the-scenes stuff that after a little while, people kind of don't like this guy. See, and I don't really think that's the case because – his case, Amari Cooper's cases with the Raiders and Cowboys were really sort of distinct and sort of specific and special in their own way. I mean, with the Raiders, we saw what the Raiders did when John Gruden got there. He wanted to clean house. He wanted to start a new slate. He didn't want to pay Khalil Mack. That's why he shipped out Khalil Mack, and he didn't want to pay Amari Cooper. That's why he shipped Amari Cooper out. With the Cowboys, I think it's the Cowboys saying, A, we don't want to pay him. And, you know, well, actually, there's three options with the Cowboys, I think. A, they don't want to pay him. B, they think he's too injured and not available enough to pay him that $16 million he was owed this year. And three, they literally have boatloads of wide receiver talent that they think they can replace him uh, without a stitch. You know, they have CeeDee Lamb, who's shown a lot of, you know, a lot of brilliance for such a young player. And they just brought back Michael Gallup today, who just got that really big contract extension. So um thing with Gallup is that he's hurt coming off an ACL injury, and he's been pretty injury prone. So that's a bit of a gamble there. But 
Um, the Cowboys are just stacked with wide receiver talent. They think they can replace Cooper without having to pay him all that money. And maybe they can, maybe they can't, who knows. But shipping him off for that such low compensation, I think that reflects of what the Cowboys were thinking. So um, it's a bargain that the Browns got him for such that low price. But if everything pans out well, I really think that move is going to be one of the best moves of the offseason, simply because this Browns offense – I just lacked a wide receiver that can really stretch the field uh, and connect and that can connect with Baker Mayfield, you know, OBJ during his time in Cleveland, he could somewhat stretch the field, but he could connect with Baker Mayfield. So who knows what this, you know, what the, what the card told for Amari Cooper, but I, I think, you know, his, his special situations with the Raiders and Cowboys really reflect the draft compensation that he got back in, you know, in terms of the trade and, why you know the Cowboys didn't want to hold on to you know such a really good receiver when healthy so um yeah I think that's really my two cents on that yeah that's a that's a good point okay on to our last two topics here and then we're gonna do a little free agency mix uh mix and match not too long, though. I think we'll only do two of those each, uh, just so we can get out of here. But um, Kirk Cousins signs a 40-year deal, 40, 40, not 40 years, $40 million extension for a year. Usually, quarterbacks don't get signed to year extensions unless that means they're gone the next year or they're about to get traded. I think Kirk Cousins is about to get traded. Uh, who knows? I think, honestly, he stays for one more year, then gets traded. I think he stays for one more year, then gets traded next offseason. No, he'd leave as a free agent. What, after, what, 2022? Yeah, he, it's only a one-year extension. It's for this year. Are you sure? Because... Oh, maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong, but I was pretty sure that's the way I read the contract. Hold on. And if you're right, then that's... That's odd because at first I initially thought that the extension was a one-year extension on top of the contract that he has now, which would make him a free agent, I believe. Yeah, it said a one-year, $35 million fully guaranteed extension that puts him under contract through 2023. So I think that's next year. I think that's next offseason he becomes a free agent. If I'm calculating all this right if that's the plan then he gets traded next offseason which makes a lot more sense because I don't think Kevin O'Connell and that Vikings uh, regime the new regime that they have up there wants to go in blind you know we're already like the, the day before the legal tampering period and most of the veteran quarterback options are off the board and the rookie quarterback class is not good so I think they would rather hold on to an established sort of veteran, no matter how, you know, no matter what your opinion is, Kirk Cousins. Um, I, I think that new regime in Minnesota will want to hold on to an established veteran, reevaluate the situation next offseason, and then see if they can find some sort of contingency plan, whether that involves, you know, them believing in Kellen Mond, which if they do, then prayers to them, lots of prayers to them. Uh, or them going after another young rookie quarterback when next year's rookie quarterback class is supposed to be much better than this year's. Uh, don't quote me on that, but um, I, I think that's really the situation with the with Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings right now. 
Uh, because if it's anything other than that, then I'd be really surprised, you know. So, uh, yeah. So it's a, it's a it's a weird situation, especially with all the with all the contract extensions and all the fully guaranteed money he's getting. Uh, but I, I think the situation with Kirk, with Kirk Cousins in Minnesota is clear cut as that. Um, and also, side note, whoever Kirk Cousins' agent is, I literally need to hire him. I need to hire him to get me in every sort of job interview, contract negotiation, because there's no no way Kirk Cousins should be getting all this money in consecutive years, man. The guy has literally made over $200 million throughout his career. Guaranteed money, man. That's life-changing money. So uh, shouts out to Kirk Cousins' agent. Dude's put in work. Let's wrap up here, actually. I'll, uh, Harold Landry gets a deal done. You're the Tennessee Titans guy. I became aware of Harold Landry late in the year when I did a Titans kind of deep dive to, to chat on the podcast. Just how important was this signing? Um, I think for the Titans defense as a whole for now in the future, I think it was pretty important because Harold Landry is literally – uh, I think he's a really good glue guy for the Titans offense or Titans defense, excuse me. So um, the versatility that that guy presents really, you know, not just as an edge rusher, but him dropping back in coverage, him being used as much of a looper because mm-hmm. the Titans love to run stunts along their defensive line. Harold, that's Harold Landry's athleticism and his ability to bend and contort his body in weird angles. It really helps with the Titans uh, pressure schemes that they really love to use. So, um, and they weren't going to find any other players to really just 100% replace that immediately, whether it's in the draft or maybe in free agency. His skill set is really just that unique. I think the question with Landry's deal and how much he got paid was really the fact that, you know, the, the, the sacks and the statistics that he puts up, his, you know, his advanced sort of stats, his pressures and everything, they aren't really elite and top of the league. Um, and the money that he get he got is really reserved for, I guess you say, good to great pass rushers. You know, the elites, you know, the elite pass rushers get paid north of $25 million a year. But um, he's not really some elite pass rusher that defenses are going to have to double team and pay attention to every single down. That's just not who he is, really. He's a speed guy that can't really generate a lot of power as a pass rusher, and he hasn't really showcased a lot of other successful moves aside from him uh, using maybe a cross chop or maybe using, uh, you know, a a chop swipe and dipping under tackles and getting sacked. So, um, but the money that he got, it was probably the money he was going to get on the market anyway. So uh, the Titans just sat here and said, you know, the pros signing him with this money outweighs the cons and they just went ahead and got it done, which is a move that I, I guess you could say I could somewhat support, uh, just looking over the contract structure and how much cap they have and uh, what moves they need to make. So it's a good deal for Tennessee, in my opinion. Um, they were going to lose him <laughs> in all likelihood, maybe if they let him go to the market. Um, maybe not considering how Harold Landry said he, you know, he's always wanted to stay in Tennessee, but he was going to get a lot of money on the market and Titans got him back and, you know, they can keep their front four together. You know, the front four that really kept them in a lot of games last year. So um Good for Hell Landry, good for Tennessee, and uh, we'll see what other moves the Titans make in free agency. All right, let's take a quick break. Let's take a break. Trey, 
Unfortunately, the reality of human life is that someday we will all pass on. No one wants to think about it. It's an uncomfortable topic, but it's important to take care of you and your loved ones when that day comes. That's right, Eric. Fortunately for our listeners, we know of a great guy that can help you set up your wills and trusts. Absolutely, Trey. Our friend Andrew McCullough has you covered. You can find him on Twitter at A-M-C-C-U-L-L-O-U-G-H-105. His DMs are open, and he and the folks at Brindley Sullivan can help you take care of you and your family's estate planning needs. Don't just take our word for it, though. Here is University of Utah star and current draft prospect, Britton Covey, to tell us more. Hey guys, Britton Covey here. As my long time at the University of Utah is coming to a close, it's time for me to start thinking about my future. There's no one I trust more than Andrew McCullough at the firm of Brindley Sullivan for my estate planning needs. Give his office a call to set up a free consultation at 435-673-9220. Andrew's firm is headquartered in St. George, but he spends plenty of time along the Wasatch Front taking care of his needs. So call him and tell him that Britton Covey sent you. More info at trustyourtrust.com. All right, let's do a quick free agents. Some guys we want signed places, guys we want traded places. Let's do two each. Trey, who you got? Well, this free agency class is actually kind of unique because, you know, it's, I guess you could say it's not a lot of high profile guys, but there's a lot of guys that you can stick on good teams uh, and they'd be good deals, 100%. So um, one deal I would probably like to see is J.C. Jackson signing with the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, the Chargers have a need for corner. They need a corner <laughs> desperately. Uh, J.C. Jackson is probably one of the more talented uh, corners to hit the market in some time, you know, and, you know, the Patriots had the chance to, you know, get him back, but I guess the money wasn't in the same ballpark as Jackson's thoughts, but um, J.C. Jackson signing with the Chargers will give the uh, Los Angeles Chargers another corner that they can really, uh, you know, start to be a little bit more diverse and aggressive with their defense, uh, which would be, I guess you say, really good considering how um, maybe sometimes how they would get shredded through the year, but really the problem with them was their run defense. So um, I, I think that would that's one deal I would probably like to see you know, when free agency starts. Yeah, I, this year in off season, really would like to see the Jets surround um, Zach Wilson with a lot of wide receiving weapons because his were kind of suspect at points last year. So I'm going to say Allen Robinson. I'd really like to see Allen Robinson sign with the Jets. I think he would be a good addition you put him there with emerging Elijah Moore potentially. You bring Corey Davis as a secondary guy where he doesn't have to be the primary receiver and maybe he stays a little bit healthy. And then suddenly you have a pretty okay wide receiving core. But I think it starts with, I think they got to draft someone in the second round and I think they got to sign Allen Robinson. I wholeheartedly agree with that. They need to start surrounding Zach Wilson with talent before it gets too late. They don't want to follow the mode of other past organizations that failed to put talent around the room. They're young quarterbacks, so I wholeheartedly agree with that. Um, one more move I would probably like to see in free agency is probably one that 
will probably will potentially go a little bit under the radar just because this player hasn't really been particularly healthy over the past couple of years. But if he can put his health issues behind him, he can join this team uh, and really potentially put some numbers up in a high-volume passing offense. So I'll go with Juju Smith-Suster to the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, I know the Chiefs are a little bit maybe more inclined to chase after a pass rusher because they really don't like – you know, Frank Clark, I think they're trying to uh, trade him or trade him or release him, you know, let him go elsewhere because the money he's being paid right now doesn't nearly match up to the production that he's had over the past couple of years. So, um, but if they find a way to get a pass rusher and still have some money left over to where they can enter themselves in uh, the market for Juju Smith-Schuster, which he, his market shouldn't be quite robust because he's coming off the injuries and everything, but he won't be insanely cheap. At least I don't think he will, but um, if the Chiefs can get Juju Smith-Schuster, they, they can really, you know, take the pressure off Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey and really open things up offensively, which that was one of the problems that the Chiefs, you know, along with defense is really just limiting their explosiveness by running the whole cover two thing that we talked about earlier this season. Their personnel, aside from Travis Kelsey and you know, Tyreek Hill really wasn't getting it done consistently. So if they can add a secondary weapon, you know, that can go with Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey and really open things up offensively, you know, for the rest of the offense, then I think that can be a really, you know, potent under the radar signing that can pay dividends moving forward. Yeah, another kind of under the radar guy, I'd like to see Calais Campbell and the Indianapolis Colts get together because that's a pretty good defensive line already, but you add Calais Campbell for some depth. Defensive tackles are always shifting in and out of games. You add Calais Campbell to the rotation as kind of a rotation guy, and that's a pretty stout front seven you've got and, and reinforced. So I think that's a move I'd like to see. Yeah, and that would be a, a quite an under-the-radar move simply because is that Calais Campbell isn't much of an edge rusher, but he's still a real big difference maker on the defensive line, which the Colts didn't have a lot of last year aside from DeForest Buckner. Uh, the edge rushing options that they had were either young or just didn't get the job done last year. So them finding another difference maker along that defensive line, you know, and that difference maker being Calais Campbell could be huge for them. You know, you could talk about his age, but he's still getting it done and at a high level, despite him being an elderly man, according to NFL age standards. So uh, that could be a move that could really get me intrigued about the Colts if they can figure out their quarterback situation. Absolutely. All right, Trey. Well, I just found out distressing news that Utah State is, in fact, playing in the NIT. So as I alluded to early, there won't be a show Tuesday, maybe. If there is, we'll have to record late at night. Uh, I don't know if you're up for that, Trey, but let's just keep in touch. Wednesday, I'm going to see a jazz game, and then March Madness takes over my life on, on Thursday. So I think there's going to need to be a late-night recording at some point over the next week. But we will have at least one more episode out this week, maybe two. And maybe, Trey, I could task you with a second episode later in the week where you find a guest, maybe? Would that be too much to ask? 
I don't think that would be too much ass. I'm on spring break this week, you know, so I'm a lot more free in terms of scheduling. So, so we will. Uh, so I'm just gonna promise this right now. It'll probably be Wednesday morning because it's gonna be really late, Trey. It'll be like 11 Central Time or 11:30 Central Time that we start, but. We will be recording a podcast Tuesday night, recapping kind of day one of free agency. If there's enough news, if there's a lot of news, we'll do it then. If not, we'll wait and maybe we'll do it Wednesday after I get done at the jazz game, but either Wednesday morning or Thursday morning, there will be a first podcast out and then be looking for another one with Trey later in the week on Friday or Saturday as well. All right, Trey. Thanks for your time, buddy. No problem, man. All right, we will see you all for free agency week. Get ready. Peace out.